0: Lord, we pour out our flesh to You today, our spirit to You. We give You all of ourself. Today we're Yours, but not just today. Every day. From the day we met You until now, we're Your servants. And we intend to stay that way. Holy Spirit, we don't have the strength, but You do. So Lord, Make sure that we hold to that promise and follow the Lord Jesus with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength every week, every month, every year, all the days of our lives. And to You be the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you just tuning in, you're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches, and I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're here. Uh, You can tune in to us at freedomchurchpb.org every Sunday at at, uh, 10 or um, every Thursday at 7.15. So we thank you. You can go online, check us out, freedomchurchpb.org. You can give online, you can check out what we're about. But I can t- guarantee you it's all about Jesus in this place. So today we're going to look at Jesus in a way John, the apostle, looked at Jesus. We're going to turn to 1 John chapter 1 and verses 1 through 4. And we're going to have several Bible readings today, but I want you to see this is going to be our main main passage, and I'm going to read several to you. But let's go to 1 John chapter 1. I've always loved this chapter. I've always loved it. You know, this especially the first opening to the chapter. Let's read it. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. What was from the beginning? This is John talking, the apostle. What we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, and the life was manifested, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifest to us. What we have seen and what we have heard, we proclaim to you also so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write, so that your joy may be made complete. I want to back that up with just a couple other verses, so go to John chapter 4. Here's the Samaritans. Verse 41. 40 and 40, uh, 39 through 41. From the city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because the word of the woman who testified, He told me all things that I have done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them, and he stayed with them two more days. Many more believed because of his word, and they were saying to the woman, It's no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we heard with our for ourselves and know this one is indeed the Savior of the world. Here, John is. He's he's telling you. Listen, I handled him. I touched him. I seen him with my own eyes. I'm an eyewitness. Well, the Samaritans, when Jesus was on the earth, you know, he the woman at the well ran to the city, telling them great prophecies. Here, could he be the Messiah? And they come out, they listen to Jesus, and they draw their own conclusion. We have heard for ourselves now, and now we believe. Go to Luke chapter 7, verse 6 through 10. Luke chapter 7, 6 through 10. This is a Gentile. Now Jesus started on his way with them, and when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends and said to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself any further, for I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. For this reason I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but just to say, just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I am a man placed under authority, and soldiers under me and say to this one go and he goes and to another one come and he comes and to my slave do this and he does it now when Jesus heard this he marveled when he turned and said to the crowd that was following him I say to you not even in Israel have I found such great faith when those who had been sent returned to the house they found the slave in good health here's a Gentile he just heard about Jesus. I believe this is probably the first time he ever saw, saw or saw Jesus, but here he is. He said, I believe because I see and I hear the things that are going on. You don't have to come to my house. I'm not worthy. Humility. I'm not worthy for you to come out to, out to my house. So here, here he is. John's telling him, because I heard, I seen, I touched, I smelled, I tasted him. The Samaritans, because we hear his word. You know, we believe. The Gentile now, because I heard of you. I, I don't even know if I saw you. I don't think he saw him, but he heard of him. And he just believed. You know, that's what we ought to learn that from the, for ourselves today. If it's in here, believe. It's the word of God. God's not going to lie to you. We would lie, but he's not going to lie. So if it says, if you dwell in the most, shelter of the Most High, you abide in the shadow of the Almighty, guess what? you dwell in the shadow of the Almighty where you're protected. If it says that, it's as good as gold. It doesn't matter if it's in red ink. It's in black and red ink. This is the entire Word of God, not just the real words in red. Because Jesus is the Word. We're just revealing that He walked the earth and He said these things if you see it in red. Otherwise, He said it in black. It's just in, in, throughout creation. Matthew, chapter 11, verses 4 through 6. Okay, Matthew, chapter 11, 4 through 6. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you hear and see, The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them, and be not, and be blessed, and blessed is he who does not take offense at me. You know what's happening here. John the Baptist is in a state of doubt. He told them who Jesus was. He saw the dove descend on him. He baptized him in water. He heard the voice from the clouds that came down and said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. He heard all this. But now he's in prison for his ministry. For actually telling Herod that you know, it wasn't right for him to take his brother's Philip's wife. Listen, here it is. John got off focus. He forgot the word of God. Jesus didn't even say, hey, just tell John yes. No, he said this. He pointed to the scriptures. He said, tell John what you see, what you heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. John knew very well that that was Isaiah 61, chapter one, 61, verse 1 through 3. He knew very well. He got off focus. And sometimes we as Christians, we get off focus. We, for, we lose our focus. I keep telling everybody, quit looking at the pastor and look, look at the master. He's just proclaiming God's word. He's a prophet, really. We're prophesying the Word of God as we teach you. Get your eyes off of him, because he's just a man. He can fall. David fell, Moses fell, Isaiah, Isaac fell. Everyone fell, practically, that we know of. Maybe Daniel and Joseph held a straight line, pretty much. But but even they were sinners, because the Scriptures say all have sinned. So listen, listen. Don't get off focus. Jesus Christ is Lord, not covid Not the war in Afghanistan or the World War II or Vietnam or any of those things. Jesus, focus on Him. Believe the Word. Hear the poor, have the gospel preached to Him. John the Baptist knew that the poor were going to receive the gospel. It's then written in Isaiah 61 and also Luke 4.18. Well, why is John saying these things to the disciples, to the Samaritans, to the Gentiles, and to the poor? You realize that about 30-some years have passed. Probably about 31, 32 years. The Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, were written about 60 to 65 A.D., maybe even 67 A.D. Now it's 95 A.D. 30 years later, the church is off course. Gnosticism has hit the church. And John's writing this to make some corrections. Do you know that 92 or 93% of what is in the Gospel of John is not contained in the Synoptic Gospels? So John is correcting things. And he's, he's power-packing some other things, you know, like the resurrection of Lazarus, like the raising of Lazarus. Gnosticism was rampant in the church and it had to be straightened out immediately. Immediately. There was false teachings of being taught. Gnosticism, what is it? That Jesus was not actually a physical man. So can you see why John says, hey, I heard him, I saw him, I touched him. He's saying, listen, he wasn't some kind of pseudo-physical man. He was a real person. He came in the flesh. You know it. We're celebrating Christmas. He came as a man, yet God, son of God, son of man, through Mary's birth uh, bloodline. But the seed, the overshadow of the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. He's not some kind of pseudo-physical phantom. He didn't just have an appearance of a man. He was a man. Even when he was resurrected in the room, eight days later, when Thomas was there, he said, touch me and put your fingers in my wounds and put your hand in my side and see if I am not flesh and bone. So he wasn't physical, I mean, phys, physio, Whatever it is. Listen. He became accessible to man. He was born as a child in a manger, lowly, humble, and, he w- and in the most basic way. And John, John's gospel starts out that way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then the 14th verse of chapter 1, and the Word of God was made flesh, and he dwelt among us. He wasn't some physiological man. And John's saying here in John in John chapter first John chapter one, what was from the beginning? He's telling you right out. He's from the beginning. Just like he did in first in the Gospel of John. In the beginning. The beginning. The word there is NRK in Greek, and it means beyond the beginning of time. Jesus was always there, and that's what he's saying here. He's saying from the beginning beyond. The beginning of time. And he's telling them, not only have we seen him, we've heard him, we touched him. He says, we are eyewitnesses. We are eyewitnesses of this fact. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You know this verse. I quote it a lot because it's very, very important. The first few verses. Verse 3. This is the Apostle Paul talking. He's saying, For I delivered to you, Corinthians, a message of first importance, that we also received that Christ died for your sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and he appeared to Cephas, or Peter, then to the twelve, then after that, he appeared to five hundred brethren, most of whom who are alive and remain with us today, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles, and last of all, to one untimely born. He appeared to me. He said, "I saw him." Peter saying, "I saw him." John saying, "I saw him." him. Paul saying, "I saw him." He Wasn't some physio-putical man? He was an eyewitness. They were eyewitnesses to this fact, and. Peter reminds the church. In 2 Peter 1, he says this, We did not follow some kind of cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses. Here's Peter. Hey, I didn't come up with some cunningly devised fable. You know, people today think that it's fairy tales what you what you read in the bible. I never I hate to even call it a story. I always call it a truth because if it's in the bible it's true. Listen, when John wrote Revelation, this was this was in the churches of the day. You remember the seven churches of of Revelation, right? They represent the churches in the in in the early church. You know, in the church age, they represent the churches throughout the ages, in the middle ages, and they represent the churches in the, church, in the world today, not just in John's day, but in our day. And those churches had problems already, and John is correcting these. And even Jesus appears in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 and says, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to identify some of these problems. In Ephesus there was a problem of the Nicolaitans. Now that's hard to describe. The early church fathers try to find out who these guys were, okay, but it comes out mostly that, that, that they were, you know, they were um they were ones that believed in Gnosticism. But we're not sure because it's really not addressed. So the church in Ephesus probably had this problem going on. That's why John's writing these things. Smyrna. Smyrna had blasphemy of the Jews. This was from the synagogue of Satan going on in the church. And Paul's correcting, or John's correcting this. Then Pergamos, they were following the doctrine of Balaam. You remember the doctrine of Balaam? He was in it for the cash. He was in it for not only that, but he was planting stumbling blocks before the Jew. I'll get God to curse the Jews. We'll put a bunch of beautiful young prostitutes in front of them, and we'll lead them astray, and then they will be punished by God. I won't be doing... It's kind of like a... Instead of first-degree murder, it's like second-degree murder. The church has already had problems, and that's why these are being written. Thyatira, they had the seduction of Jezebel going on. They were sacrificing to idols. Paul, Paul and... Peter and John are trying to drive, and even Jesus trying to drive home that that Jesus Christ is Lord, not idols, not Jezebel. Sardis had things going on too; their works were not perfect before God. It doesn't say what it is, but I have a feeling it has something to do with what we're talking about here. And they needed to repent. Philadelphia had it pretty much straight. They didn't have have a single rebuke from the Lord. All that he said that might be uh, down would be, you have a little strength. But you know what? uh, You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So I think they had a lot of strength. But according to God, of course, and I know he's right, but they had more strength than these other churches. So if you're going to be a church today, we need to be like Philadelphia. Then Laodicea. They had a whole bunch of stuff going on, worldly, they had worldly riches, what they were, heavenly poor. They had Jesus outside the church. They no longer had Jesus in the church. He's outside the door knocking, let me in, let me in. All they had was a social club. So Paul's, Peter and John, and even Jesus in Revelation are trying to correct these things. John, from saying in in the first verse of chapter 1, of first John, in the beginning, beyond the beginning of time. Jesus was. What was from the beginning? Jesus was from beyond the beginning of time. What we have heard. Wonder what they heard. Did you ever wonder that? I wonder if they heard about the shepherds being drawn to the manger. I wonder if they heard about Mary was a virgin when Jesus was born. I wonder if they heard about the Bethlehem babies getting slaughtered about 30 years prior. I think they did. I wonder if they knew about the three magi coming to the house, not not the manger and giving them and presenting gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And did they understand what those gifts represented? The gold for a king, the frankincense for a savior, and the myrrh for death. I'm sure they did. They wrote the Gospels. They probably really didn't understand this until the Holy Spirit was given like we, we celebrated and I read today. They remembered what was written in the scroll, scrolls. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit was given. And Jesus told us that when he sends the helper. Remember Matthew twenty I'll send you the helper. Then he goes on to say, what we have heard. You know what they heard? They heard the authority that he had when he talked, when he prayed, when he cast on demons, when he healed the sick and raised the dead. They saw the authority he had. It even mentions in the Scriptures that he taught with authority and not like the scribes. I mean, he had a whole kind of different demeanor when he, when he preached. Paul saying, or John saying, I heard him. In his preaching, in his teaching, in casting out demons. He said, we even heard demons acknowledge who he is. You remember the demon act, the, the legion? He came around to Jesus and the demons began to speak. And the demons cried out, what do, we, what do we have to do with you, Jesus, son of God? Did you come to torment us before the time? You know, they heard demons speak. I don't know about you guys, but I've heard demons speak, and I don't really want to hear them again, because it is gory, it is ugly, it is it is disgusting, and it's one thing you would make you say, there has to be a God. They heard these things. Even legion knew who Jesus was. And you notice some, one thing they said, legion says, Have you come to torment us before the time? That means that they know their time is running out. They're defeated at the cross. Jesus crushed Satan's skull at the cross. It actually says bruise in the Greek. I like crushed better. It sounds like more final. final. He heard them. He taught way beyond, you know, what anybody else was teaching. They find out they were in the boat crossing the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus calms the storm, and the disciples are asking, Who is this man that can calm the seas and stop the wind? And they get over to the other side, and there's Legion coming up. And he says, well, We know who you are, Jesus, Son of God. But the disciples didn't even know it, but the demons knew it. Jesus spoke in the beginning, and the whole universe was created. just goes to show you that he commands the wind and the sea, as he commands the entire heavens. He, they heard him. John heard him outsmart the religious leaders. What did he say, you know? By what authority do you do these things? Well, I'll, I'll ask you a question. By what authority is is li- the baptism of John? Is it from heaven or men? Well, the Jews knew that if they said from heaven, then they and then they don't believe. If they said from men, then the people would stone them because they thought and knew John the Baptist was a prophet. He outsmarted them. They heard him. Who listen? What really gets me is the, the one where they say, they try to outsmart Jesus and say, should we pay our taxes to Caesar? And Jesus, you know, you think, oh man, if, I were, if me being a human, I'd say, oh man, I'm in trouble now. But Jesus, so wittingly and wisely, because he's God, he says, show me a coin. Whose inscription's on this coin? Well, Caesar. Well, you render to Caesar what's Caesar's, and you give to God what's God's. They heard these things. John, Peter, the disciples heard him. And he outsmarted them. Then he goes on. What we have seen with our eyes. What did they see? Well, they walked with Jesus. They talked with Jesus. They spent three and a half years with Jesus, minimum. Personally, I think it was more than that, much more. And I don't got time to get into that. Matthew 11. We read it. John's in prison. He sends the disciples to ask Jesus, go and report to John what you see and hear. He didn't say yes or no. He said, believe the word of God. You know it, John. The blind will see. The deaf will hear. The lame will walk. The mute will speak. The dead will be raised. And the poor will have the gospel preached to them. Boy, Jesus put him back in focus just like that. And he knew when his head was gone, he had the right Messiah. So we see Jesus has the power to heal the sick. It says here, you know, that they, in Mark 10, Mark 10, 45, 46 and to 52. They come to Jericho. And there's this blind man named Bartimaeus. If you read the other Gospels, you'll find out there were two blind men. He were coming out of it. It could have a separate situation, but I doubt it. And blind Bartimaeus is saying, because he heard of Jesus, he heard what he did. He probably heard he was healing the sick and raising the dead and giving the blind sight and he's calling out to to Jesus as they're walking by and he crying out son of David son of David have mercy on me son of David have mercy on me to the point where the disciples are telling him to shut up but he's not going to shut up Jesus is there he knows that if he can get his attention, he's going to see. You know how you know that? Because when, when he was called to Jesus, he left his only possession, his his robe, on the road. He's, he knew he was coming back. He knew he was coming back, and he could see that robe. He knew it. He had faith because he heard of Jesus. I'm sure he just heard of Jesus. And, of course, Jesus, first of all, he said, he recognized Jesus for who he was. He said, Jesus, son of David, which is a messianic term. He recognizes him as the Messiah. What did a blind man do any, anyhow? He probably would hear the, the scrolls read to him all the time. Probably heard about this. The lame were walking. They brought a paralytic to Jesus in Matthew chapter 9, and Jesus heals them saying, your sins are forgiven. And boy, did that got the Pharisees and the scribes all worked up. Who could forgive sins except God? Well, Jesus has authority on earth to forgive sins because guess what? They sinned against God, and since he was God, he had the authority to forgive them. But they didn't recognize that. They were blind guys leading the blind. So Jesus has the power here. We already see he has the power to to, uh, heal physical and spiritual blindness because blind Bartimaeus wanted to follow him when he was done, and he followed Jesus from, from what we read in the Scriptures. He had the power to heal the lame. He had power to cleanse lepers, physical and spiritual leprosy. In Matthew chapter 8, the leper came to Jesus, and the leper says, if you're willing, you can heal me. And Jesus says those amazing words, I am willing. I am Messiah, the name of God. I am willing, and he heals him. But Dr. Luke and chapter 5 says now doctor luke being a doctor he describes this leprosy with using a word that says this man was full of leprosy he didn't just have leprosy on a spot of his hand this man was full of leprosy doctor luke made it clear that he was full of leprosy which meant that his hands may have been his fingers may have been gone his toes may have been gone his nose could have fallen off his face or his ears and Jesus touched him. I see, Do you see fear there? I don't. He touched him. And he said, I am willing. Nobody ever before had healed leprosy except Elisha when Naaman, the Syrian general, was sent to him by the king of Assyria, of Syria, because though his servant girl told him about the great prophet in Israel. And he went to see Elisha. And Elisha didn't even invite him in his house. He just said, go, go tell him to go wash in the Jordan River, dip himself seven times. That's the only time. And he did. Because he had a wise servant that you know, said, hey, listen, if he told you to do a great thing, you'd go do it, right? Why don't you do a simple thing? Go dip yourself in a river. What's the big deal? So he did. And he'd come up healed of his leprosy. That's the only time in Scripture. Jesus told the leper to go go offer the sacrifice that you need to pay to the, to the Lord for your, your healing. And the Jews had to figure out, what was that? We've never did this before. They had to get into the scrolls and dig and find out what Jesus was saying or what God was saying about what is the offering for leprosy. And it's a, bit, it's a deep one. I don't want to get into that. Then we hear the deaf hear and the tongues, and the, and the deaf hear and, and the mute speak. The deaf hear, Mark chapter 7, through 32 through 35. The deaf and a mute man, he was somewhat mute. He wasn't completely mute, he could, he could somewhat talk. Jesus put his fingers in his ears. He spit and touched his tongue with the spit, and the guy begins to speak when Jesus said, Be opened. Man, when they saw this, what they see, what they heard, what they touched, they saw this. They were with Jesus during this time. When Peter, James, and John went into Jairus' house, his daughter was dead. And all he did was say to them, with authority, I'm sure, my little lamb, I say to you, arise. Arise. And she opened her eyes. Oh, my goodness. The dead are raised. You know that there's only ten times in the Bible that the dead are raised. And I'm going to go through them real quick. The widow of Zarephath, son. Elijah raised him from the dead. The Shunammite son, Elisha, 2 Kings, raised him her from the dead. Him from the dead. The Israelite man who was thrown onto the tomb of Elisha came back to life. A widow of Nain's son was raised by Jesus. Jairus' daughter raised by Jesus. Peter, James, John are seeing this. They heard him speak, Tabitha, Arise. They saw Lazarus. They saw the compassion on Jesus' face as he raised Lazarus from the dead. They didn't just see the dead man raised. They saw the compassion of Jesus, the tears running down his eyes when he spoke over Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem. How I wanted to take you under my wings like a hen gathers or chicks, but you would not. Harry hear him at the tomb of Lazarus saying, Lazarus, come forth, four days dead. His body would have been melting away by then. And Mary, Mary or Martha said, he's going to stink. Leave the tomb, leave the stone on the tomb and remove the stone. This is Jesus going away, last miracle practically, his last major miracle, I should say. He wanted the scribes, the Pharisees that loved Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. He wanted them to know who they, he was. And he raised Lazarus from the dead. Nobody has ever raised a dead man four days from the dead. Jesus then raises himself in John chapter 20. Jesus even said that in John chapter 2, verse 19 through 21. He said, you destroy this temple and I will raise it up on the third day he's saying I'll raise it up me so God raised raised Lazarus but Jesus raised himself and Romans 8:11 says the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead so now we got a controversy three gods or three gods in one Elohim body soul spirit then we see the saints in Jerusalem when Jesus, on Resurrection Sunday, they were, rose from the dead. We don't have how many, but many saints rose from the dead and walked through Jerusalem at the death of Je- at the resurrection of Jesus, I should say. Then Paul or Peter raises Dorcas from the dead in Acts chapter nine, and then Eutychus is raised in Acts chapter twenty by Paul. But you know what? You say, well, Paul did, Peter did, you know, Elisha did, Elijah did. No, but Jesus, God did it all. You realize that? Elisha didn't raise that person. Elisha didn't raise the person. It was God who raised the person, and now we have God walking the very earth, and the dead are raised. And then the poor have the gospel preached to them. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me says the Lord. He has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has appointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. The Spirit of the Lord is upon him. Isaiah 61, 1-3, through 3, Luke 4-18, same thing, just be repeated. You know what else they saw? They saw the transfiguration. Peter, James, and John had the privilege of seeing a Seeing Jairus' daughter arise, now they're in the, in the garden, and here Jesus appears in heaven, in a heavenly scene, speaking with Moses and Elisha. And I, I don't think they wore a name tag, I think they recognized exactly who these two men were with Jesus. And Jesus' face shone like the sun, and his garments became like white, glowing material. Moses and Elijah were with him. They saw all this. And you wonder why they went to their death, beheaded and crucified? Because they heard him, because they saw him, because they studied him, because they touched him. They saw the heavens opened at the baptism. When John the Baptist, when, when God spoke from heaven, this is my beloved son, listen to him. They saw his teachings. They heard his teachings just wow the crowds. I wish my teachings would wow the crowds. But Jesus' teachings wowed the crowds. He saw his compassion, his love for people. Most people would say, leper, get away from me, not Jesus. He saw his compassion as he looked down over Jerusalem. On Palm Sunday. They watched him eat. He went to many people's houses and ate. Martha and Mary used to make him dinner all the time. They saw the Son of God eat a full meal. Zacchaeus, same thing. Simon, the Pharisee, who was all upset because he let Jesus let that a prostitute wash his feet with spikenard, an expensive perfume, everything that she ever had. And they didn't understand it. He watched, they watched him wow all these people with his comments. Simon, I have something to say to you. If one man owes 50 denarii, and, him, and the one forgives him, but another one owed him 500 denarii, and he forgives him, which would love him more? In other words, Simon, you don't really love me, but she loves me. She's proving it. She's humbling herself. She entered a house that she shouldn't have been in just to see Jesus, bowed down at his feet, broke open her spike nore, probably her only precious possession in the world, pulled it over his feet and kissed him and dried it with her hair. They saw all this. The disciples were there. They watched him confront these Pharisees that thought they were so high and mighty. Only Nicodemus, I think, is the one that sits there and goes, there has to be something about you. You couldn't do these things if God wasn't with you. They watched him confront the Pharisees. You know what? They watched him feed 5,000 people at one time. And then 4,000 people at another time. And you could at least double that with women and children because they weren't counted. They watched him do that. They watched him bless the food, and they watched, the f- as, I, as I studied one time, I showed you, as he was breaking, according to the Greek verb, he w- it kept appearing in his hand, and he just kept breaking and breaking and breaking. I don't know if that's true, but it seems like it. What if it was the disciples reaching into the basket and grabbing a fish, and reaching in and grabbing a loaf of bread, and then every time they reached in there, there's still one left? Wow, they watched him do this. Who can do that? they probably even remembered the little things like Mary at the tomb when she's crying at the gardener and the gardener's saying and she's saying to the gardener if you know where he's at tell me and I'll go get him and all he did was call her lovingly and Mary she recognized his voice She even re- you know, they even remember the, the way that he called their name They were eyewitnesses. They seen. John's bearing witness 30 years later so that they know that he's declaring it to us and I'm still declaring it to you today, you over the internet too. I'm declaring it to you. They saw this. They saw the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers healed, the dead raised, the poor of the gospel preached him. them. They saw the transfiguration. Miracles were happening left and right, and we see as the blind man Bart cried out to Jesus tenaciously. He don't care what the disciples were saying; it like they don't. I don't even care about them. I just want Jesus, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, Jesus. To the point where Jesus says, "I'm going to go get him." You know what's what Jesus says in John chapter seven? He said, "Asking, it shall be given; seeking, you shall find; knock, and the door shall be opened." That's to everyone who asks, receives. Actually, it goes to him who asks continually, to him who seeks continually, to him who knocks continually. That's what the Greek verb says there. Hey, he was, I ain't stomping. I'm not stomping. Then he tells him, you want to see a miracle? Cry out to Jesus tenaciously. When you tell him your need, remember, you're a sinner. You need mercy. It's not why me, Lord. It's life isn't it isn't life isn't fair, Lord. It's humility. Lord, I'm a sinner. Look to me, you promise in Isaiah sixty one two. To this one I look, he who humbles himself, seeks my face, and trembles at my word. You have to recognize Him out there as the Son of God, not just some man, a good man. He's way more than a good man. He's the Son of God. You can't recognize Him as just a good man. It won't do you any good. He's the Son of God. He is God in the flesh. The one who came, died, and was buried and is risen again because He was sinless and paid the penalty for our sin. When you call to him, you say, oh, Lord, you're my God. Not only are you my Savior, but you're my Lord. And then the important part, a lot of people forget, you have to follow him. You have to take up your cross daily and follow him. Then John goes on, what we have looked at. Hey, remember Isaiah 53? He grew up like a tender shoot. He was humble. He was obedient. He was quiet. He wasn't lording over people. This was the Son of God. He didn't even lord over people. He was like a a root out of parched ground. He was poor. There was no majesty in Jesus. He didn't look like Brad Pitt or any of those guys. He was just a normal man. You would just look at him and say, hey, that's a normal looking crowd. He didn't stand out by any means. He had no stately former majesty, no beauty. No, He wasn't ugly. He wasn't beautiful in appearance. He was just a normal man, normal strength. There was no halo around his head. His halo was the works that he did and the signs that followed. He was acquainted with grief. He had a rough life. He had a hard life. What did John see as he was invited to Simon's house for dinner that time? He saw the Son of God so willing to forgive that woman, to bring others to love him like Simon, to point out their pride. And he did it very constructively to Simon. Simon, I forgive her for much. That's why she loves me so much. In other words, this is kind of a rebuke to this man. He's telling him to judge appropriately, to have mercy on people. Well, why you're you're a Pharisee, so you're you're greater than her? No, you weren't. I'm the son of God, and I'm not greater than any of them humility, to walk humbly, to love mercy, which is what Micah told the, the, the Jews. What does the Lord require of you? To, to walk humbly, love mercy, and judge fairly. He wasn't judging fairly at all. And he goes on to say, what we have touched with our hands. Can you imagine a lot of the the Jews or the disciples just walking up to Jesus and hugging him. I, just, I don't see him just shaking a hand. I don't think they even did handshakes in Israel that time. I think they walked up. Can you imagine hugging Jesus? They touched him. They hugged him. They gave him, obviously, kisses because Judas kissed him in betrayal. And Jesus must have been used to that. They probably kissed him on the cheeks. I don't know. I didn't study the culture for this message about that, but I would guarantee you they were kissing the Son of God. They handled Jesus. I'm sure they helped them in many ways. They helped them pass out the fish and the bread, and they received plentiful left over. Five fish, five breads, two fish. They end up with 12 baskets full, one for each disciple. Amazing. You know why? They turned, they saw, they touched him. And that's why in Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 17, they say, we can't stop speaking. We can't stop speaking what we have seen than what we have heard. And then later on in Acts chapter 17, hey, they're saying, in him we live and we move and we have our being. How about us today in the Christian church? Do you live? Do you move? Do you have your being in Jesus Christ? Or is it just a Sunday morning thing? Their identity was in Jesus Christ. And our identity needs to be in Jesus Christ. When you go walking into your work on Sunday, they say, there's that Christian. Even if they call it derogatory term, there's that Jesus for you. It'll be jumping up and down and leaping for joy. For great is your reward in heaven. Jesus came for one purpose. The Son of God became the Son of men, so he might uh, become so men might become the Son of God, sons of God. Listen, you think that's the only time? Listen, the Old Testament saints saw him, heard him too. Moses knew him at the burning bush. He spoke to him. Moses knew him at the parting of the Red Sea and the plagues of Israel, of uh, Egypt. Ezekiel knew him when the dry bones were raised. The army of dry bones. Ezekiel knew him as a wheel within a wheel. Tell me, boy, he was way beyond me. Job knew him when he healed him, when he was almost dead. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Abednego saw him in the fiery furnace Samson knew him when he grabbed that donkey John and slew all those Philistines Samson knew him too Jonah knew him he gave him a second chance God will give you a second chance just ask that old man that you are will pass away and all things will become new Daniel knew him when those hungry lions were about to attack him. And the angel shut the mouth of those lions. King David knew him, and he danced in the streets of Israel. But don't dance in church. Nope, God forbid. Now concerning the words of life, and the life was manifest, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life. In chapter 5 of 1 John, he writes this. This is the testimony or the record that God has given us eternal life. This life is in his Son. If you have the Son of God, you have life. If you don't have the Son of God, you don't have life. These things are written that you might know you have eternal life. Listen, if you've never received Jesus as your Savior, you do not have eternal life. If you do have Jesus as your Savior, and you prayed and accepted him with all your heart and not your head, then you have eternal life. If you prayed with your head, you've got to move it 18 inches south to your heart so you can recognize who he is, just like Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Samson, Peter, Paul, Mary, and me. Because I know him. I'm sure I disappoint him at times, but I know I have a place in heaven. Let me read you just uh, this, and I'll close. John declared, and he's declaring to you out there now, I heard him, I saw him, I studied him, I touched him, I kissed him, I talked with him, I ate with him, I saw the heavens opened up before him, I heard voices from the clouds saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. I saw his tears. He used to come to my house for dinner. I even supported his ministry. I watched him confront those Pharisees trying to trick him. I saw him take five fish, five loaves and two fish and turn it into a meal for 5,000 people. I saw people gasp when the blind saw, the lame walked, the deaf heard, and the demons were cast out. So I even remember the little things just the way Jesus used to call my name, John. Hey, John. And I was there. He's no pseudo-physical being. He's God. I was there when he spoke and said, Lazarus, come forth. I was there. And the dead man, four days, came out of the tomb, wrapped in clothes, and he was told to unwrap him. John is saying, I'm and I witnessed all this. I am declaring this to you. Paul says in First Corinthians, I'm bringing you a message of the first importance. You could you think maybe your career is important? You think maybe raising your your children is important, or buying a house or a boat? You know what's important? Making sure your eternal future is forever with God. That's what's important. And all the rest, I'm going to tell you right now, will fall in line. So if you don't know Jesus today, He can come to your house today. And all you've got to do is ask Him into your heart. So I'm calling on you today. For those of you over the air. I look around the church and I see old believers here, but only God knows your heart. So if you need to come to the altar, get up here. And for those of you on online, All you got to do is bow your head. You can get on your knee. You don't even have to do all that. Just open up your heart and cry out to God to save you. And whoever has the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior will not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave him. As we come up to this Christmas season, that's what it's about. It isn't about all the pretty lights. It's about Jesus God came down to man and all you got to do is reach out to him and you'll come up to him when this life is over. To you, to God be the glory in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, I pray that this message grabs our hearts. I pray it grabs our soul. I pray it grabs our spirit and I pray that we proclaim it to all that we know. To you be the glory in Jesus name, amen and amen. God bless your church, I love y'all.